My name is Lolo DePuzzolo, and this is Media Delta. So, uh, we are here on the third, or the last of our three uh, mystery movies that I did for uh, December. Uh, and uh, I think as these have kind of gone on, I went progressively more uh, out there, so to speak, in, in regards to what movies I ended up picking. Um, we started out with Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, we went to Return of Bastard Swordsman. Uh, and now we are here uh, with something that is actually kind of a culmination of a lot of things we have actually discussed in Media Delta. Um, you see, uh, throughout the uh, some of the things that we, we have taken a look at some things like, say, the Ghost in the Shell movie, the 1995 one. We have taken a look at Pat Labor. Uh, and we have just done a number of anime things in general. Um, we are taking a look today uh, at The Red Spectacles, which is a movie that I would imagine not people, many people uh, in the West have heard of. Um, it is a movie that was directed by Mamoru Oshii, which is the reason why I mentioned those movies before. Uh, it is the... It is... One thing that is notable uh, for people in the West uh, is the fact that um, you might have heard of an, a, a movie that came out in the late 90s called Jinro the Wolf Brigade, uh, which was a interesting little anime movie that was about a uh, Japan in world like in a post-World War II in which the Nazis actually ended up winning. Uh, it was not exactly a happy movie. Uh, it was a very well animated movie, uh, but that the most notable thing that I think some people remember from it uh, is the giant power armor that uh, several of the uh, police unit in that film wore. Uh, if you are familiar with um, one of the more notable things they inspired is if you're familiar with the Killzone games, uh, the Hellcast kind of have a or have a design that's very heavily inspired by that. I don't know if it was intentional, but they just ha so happened to look a lot like that. It's a really well-regarded movie. But that movie in particular uh, was actually several down the line of a actual, a pre-existing uh, film franchise. Well, not just film, but other media franchise called the Kerberos Saga. And uh, this here is the first film of the saga, uh, The Red Spectacles, uh, came out in 1986. Uh, it is interesting for Mamoru Oshii movie in the fact that this is a live action movie, not, he is mostly known for his animated movies like Ghost in the Shell, uh, the Pat Labor movies, uh, Angel's Egg. Uh, he is known, known for like having really good animated movies. So it's interesting to see a live action one that he has done, because he has done a number of those as well. Avalon, uh, the Skycrawlers, uh, and a few others. Uh, there's actually a couple in this franchise that are uh, live action. Uh, so that's what we're going to be discussing today. And I have a feeling that there's going to be some thoughts uh, said into microphones tonight uh, in this recording, as I am not the only one who watched this movie. So uh, please introduce yourselves in alphabetical order. Hi, my name is Axe, and my appearance tonight is presented by Technically in a Color. Listen, and I will refuse to eat the noodles. 
I'm Torpa Typist, and I will eat the noodles, and I will have the worst case of the shits. Yeah. Um. So, this, you know what? I'm actually, before we even really get into anything, let's just go ahead and get into the one-on-one discussions. So, uh, I am going to, uh, let me give my little brief uh, spiel about this, uh, and then I will... Um, Go ahead and, uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, so I think everyone else is going to have a very similar uh, thing uh, where um, uh, this is an interesting movie, to say the least, Uh, and this is a very hard movie to describe. Uh, You go into this thinking, like, Mamoru Oshii movies are kind of known for being kind of heavy philosophically. I uh, think about Ghost in the Shell 2, uh, Pat Labor 2. They're movies that are like trying to give out a message and have kind of heavy subject matter uh, to that. This one kind of does, but for it, it's actually weirdly also kind of a comedy, like a really avant-garde comedy too that's kind of out of character for Oshi because he doesn't really put that a lot in his music or his movies. And it's kind of fascinating to watch because it is, it is of a time. It is of like an, a culture that I might myself am not familiar with. And I am going to assume a grand majority of the people listening to this also uh, are not familiar with. And it is just a fascinating movie to watch. I would not say it's particularly great uh it definitely has some weird spots in it and there's some it kind of starts to waver towards the end but it's certainly a movie to see with your eyeballs uh that i thought was a interesting experience i'm kind of glad that i watched this movie uh because you get a little bit more uh of the conceit of like what other uh Mamoroshi stuff like his early stuff was um this is well before he did Ghost in the Shell. This is even before he did Pat Labor. Uh, so it is interesting to see what his film style was at that point. Um, at this point, he had really just done Angel Egg and some other support work. Uh, especially another thing that's kind of fascinating about this movie is like the production of it because all the, like a grand majority of the actors in this movie are anime voice actors. Like this kind of came around. Uh, like as Oshi was kind of discussing with uh, kind of his fellow, like his peers in the anime production, uh, in particular when he was working on Urusei Yatsura, uh, which actually, weirdly enough, this movie kind of spawned from, but we'll probably get into that in discussion. Uh, and yeah, it is a fascinating movie uh, that I'm sure the others will probably have a more descriptive kind of thing, and we'll kind of discuss more about that. I just, it's a weird ass movie to say the least, uh, which is kind of why this actually did kind of remind me of watching Wizards uh, and how weird that, like, I don't think it was a great movie, but it was certainly fascinating. I'm glad I watched it. And it's certain, it's a certain production, so to speak. So with that, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think my personal score for this, this is a 420. Whoop. This is a 420, so I'm going to put that there. Uh, if we were to say number grades, um, let's see. I would probably put it around, say, I see Castlevania, like, 
Uh, I see the professional. I would probably put this at 12. Uh, putting it right next to the Street Fighter movie. So there, that's that. Um, okay, so why don't we go ahead and get uh, Prison's thought on this. Hello. Hello. So um, what is your familiarity with Mamoru Oshii's movies? Um, Ghost in the Shell is probably one of my favorite movies. Um, I think it is beautifully animated. I think the plot is fantastically done. Um, I like to bring up the tidbit that if I remember correctly, the like weird chanting and singing is like Bulgarian women's choir music. Yes, I believe so. Um, I like several of the TV shows that it spawned. I've actually never seen Innocence, so I need to do that. <clears throat> Other than that, I've actually not seen too much from Oroshi. I think I actually missed uh, Jinro when we watched it previously. Um, I'm familiar with like the plot beats, though, so like I'm not completely blind. So like when you said that this was the first movie in the Kerberos saga, I was, of course, very much expecting something different. Um, um, I know that he had done live action movies before, so like that wasn't too surprising when you said that this was one of them. Um, but yeah. So I guess with that, uh, what was your general impressions of the Red Spectacles? Once I recalibrated myself that I was in for an absurdist comedy, I really vibed with it. Um, this isn't too much of a spoiler because it's fairly early in the movie. When um, our main character, uh, Koichi, uh, is assaulted by a bunch of men in grease paint that look like mimes, uh, get surely trounced by him in the dark as he's completely naked and the lights come on with him just standing butt naked ass out over their defeated bodies i knew that it was not what i was expecting um and it took about um the the noodle shop scene for me to fully adjust my expectations um other than that like once i was vibing with it i thought it was a pretty fun movie um i'm not gonna say it's the most brilliant movie of 1987 by any regards but um i think there was enough interesting choices in terms of cinematography and the fact that all, most was it all or most of the actors are you know generally just anime voice actors they weren't necessarily used to you know stage acting or something I want to say it was like it was at at least eighty percent. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, his name is Shigeru Chiba, right? Yes. Um, really giving it his all in like every scene he was in was wonderful. Um, you know, like obviously, I honestly there are parts where he kind of reminded me of um, Nicolas Cage in terms of the overacting. Yes, I can get that. Um, which anything that reminds me of Nicolas Cage is probably putting its, you know, a good foot in the door. Um, so I think, honestly, the stuff that's like most, you know, like has left the most like confusion in me is that this wasn't like some fuck up or something that like this was the intended product because like doing reading 
Waiting for the Red Spectacles, which came out before this, the radio drama, specifically set this up, not just in title, but in events. And then they continue to play with the events of that movie, of those two things previously with Stray Dog, which is what, the second Kerberos movie? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because that's the second one, and then Jindra, I think, is third. Um, I think Jindra is actually fourth. I think there's a, some another one in between? Maybe. Um, but, like, so Stray Dog is once again live action, so, like, Shigeru Chiba is still there and everything, being Koichi in different events. Um, just really fascinates me. Like, just the tone shift from movie one of the franchise to movie three slash four. It's, I kind of feel, because they try towards the end of the of this one to try and be a little bit more serious, but I kind of feel that it doesn't quite land it, because it's no. like, it's, you, tr- you, you spent like a good over half the movie being this weird absurdist kind of thing. And then you try and play it completely straight. And I feel like that kind of like it feels like, like it, it the drama kind of what lessens when you feel like you have the moment. It's like, OK, something goofy is going to happen at literally any moment. Yeah. And I mean, that's what does happen, because even in the dramatic scene, how much spoilers am I allowed to say? Well, uh, we're probably going to cover a majority of it. Okay, so in the movie theater scene, second movie theater scene, technically, where uh, Koichi is being shown uh, recorded footage of his former squad mates uh, confessing to their crimes um, and thanking the police and the public for arresting them to stop their from committing future crimes. Um, you, you think that this is like the dramatic, the dramatic, you know, like, peak of the movie like here it is koichi's gonna like have a breakdown or something and then a character who previously may have poisoned him shows up with a pool cue and blocks a gun barrel with it like a finger in a looney tunes cartoon yeah it's yeah and then koichi runs away in the goofiest way possible um I guess thinking about like some of the goofier things, there are like I said, there are some interesting things with cinematography, and then other times it's like that's an interesting choice. Like I guess that it was supposed to be like some sort of implication of like you know don't go in there, but just the hallway where they have a random floodlight pointing up randomly was kind of random. I don't know, just some weird things. Yeah, it's yeah. Um. I do appreciate that the like through line continues to be the outline of stand up soba shops because it goes all the way back to the how do, how do you say it? Urusaya Kawatsa? Uh, you're talking about the show that it came from? Yeah. Urusaya Yatsura. Urusaya Yatsura. Not just aliens. Yes. Um, like the fact that like the premise of this, you know, dystopian future where cops are hunting down illegal stand-up sofa shops comes all the way back to that and continues through (laughs) the Caribou's stuff is fascinating. Yeah. Like, of all the choices of things to keep, that is 
a very exciting one. Yes. Uh, so do you have any other particular points you want to bring up? Um, I think. I don't know how much people talk about it, but I do appreciate the slapstick elements. Um, one, Shigeru Chiba, once again, just like gave it his all. He overacted to Helen back. Um, the various people being poisoned by noodles and them, you know, all doing comedy, oof, ouch, my stomach, you know, poses. Um, a lot of slapstick is what I'm getting at. There, There's a lot of slapstick comedy, especially one of the sequences after uh, Chiba Koichi breaks out of prison the first time. But yeah, I think yeah. general thoughts. All right. Uh, so with that, um, what what number ranking uh, would you give this? And I can give you the link if you need it. Yeah. Um, what's the number for just being really weird? Uh, so we have three. Uh, yeah. We have 69, 420, and 666. Um, for comparison, uh, Wizards is at 420, uh, Batman the Movie's at 69, and The Ventures of Sonic the Hedgehog is at 666. What was Batman at again? Sorry. Uh, 69. I mean, the movie, the, like, the yeah. one. I would, because I enjoyed it, which may be the controversial opinion of the evening, I have a feeling, um, I would put it in 69. 69? Yeah. It All is, right. to me, akin to the Batman serial slash the Batman movie due to just the weirdness, the campiness of those. But yeah. All right. Uh, so with that, uh, let's go ahead and get Torpo's thought on this. Hello. Hello. Um, so, uh, what is your familiarity with Mamoru Oshii? I mean, everything we've watched here, um, huge fan of Ghost in the Shell. Uh, indirect, uh, it, it's not him specifically. He wrote it, but he didn't direct it. But I have seen uh, Jinro the Wolf Brigade, which I absolutely adore. Uh, and I think that's mostly the extent of it. His, honestly... Well, oh, yeah, well, well, the stuff we covered here, because I know you've seen that labor. Weird. Yeah. Uh, I think I've seen bits of Angel's Egg. Uh, I have, I've, obviously I've watched, uh, some of your, uh, Arisa I have not actually seen any of the movies, though. Uh, let's see, what else has he done? Obviously Pat Labor. Pat Labor is a given. Pat Labor the movie as well. And then Pat Labor 2, the movie <laughs> I've all seen. Uh, Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence, I've also seen, which was not on here, thankfully. <laughs> I, I, I've watched a lot of his stuff. Uh, not all of it, definitely not all of it, but I've watched a good chunk of it. Okay, so uh, with that in mind, uh, what is your thoughts on the Red Spectacles? You ever see something that's really fun to watch, but then there's a twist at the very end that cheapens the whole fucking thing and just makes it a worse product overall? Yep. That's this. That's yep. this. Because it, it starts off pretty pretty straight-laced, so going into this, I thought it was going to be straight-laced. I thought it was going to be pretty simple. And it sort of, I wouldn't say devolves, but it turns into this weird, absurdist comedy over the course of the film, only to reveal one of the cheapest fucking twists that I fucking despise till the day I die. Yeah. As a way to make sense of all of it. Yeah. It's, it makes things make sense, but also in a way that is not great. It cheapens it. 
yeah. and, and then just does some weird shit at the end that makes no sense, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, the really weird title drop. Yeah, that that was a thing. Because the, the long and short of it is the main character uh, went rogue. Him and a uh, parts uh, members of a squad. Uh, but eventually he fled the country as their uh, entire squad is being basically liquidated. Uh, and years later, he comes back to see what's going on. Uh, and he's being hunted down for what we later learn is the missing set of power armor because the uh, they, they assume him to have it. Uh, and so it, it seems pretty, uh, pretty, pretty dire and all that. Uh, starts off feeling like his commentary on, on fascism. And then there's a hit attempted on him. And from there out, it just gets stranger and stranger turning into this, as I said before, this ridiculous, absurdist comedy with a weird obsession with spoiled noodles and needing to shit and passing out from needing to shit. It happens, like, at least four times, I think. But, so, it's it's a really fun movie for that, during that time. And so, for a long time, I was wondering how it's going to wrap this up, and without getting too into it, it is one of the cheapest fucking reveals possible. And it sucks because I was having a lot of fun. It is weird in a way that is really enjoyable and fun until he becomes more and more aware and his psyche starts unfolding, which I thought also worked really well. And then the twist. Yeah. Like, man, man. Yeah. As far as the main characters go, there's really only two. There's a bunch of side characters, obviously, but the ones that are most prominent are the main character and the head of the uh what would you call them so it's the it's a uh i don't know what to describe it's basically the it's the government trying to crack down the the former Kairos units yeah 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 the, the, let's say the head of the the police or whatever but either way this they're they're really the only two characters and even then uh the 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 police dude exists solely to be a foil. It's more like he's part of the government party than he is directly in the police. It, whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's more of a foil than anything. And really, it's all of it is about the main character reacting to this slowly devolving set of weird circumstances around him until he just finally snaps. And it was really good and really interesting. Is it strange? Incredibly, I didn't know what to fucking feel about it for a long time. Uh, it goes off in weird tangents and has a lot of stylistic shifts too, but then it, it just unfolds because it's him having to deal with the realization that he abandoned his own people because he was afraid, and in doing that, fucked all of them over. Yep. Until eventually he can't take it anymore and the set falls apart. As he tears it to pieces. And yep. It, it was some really good drama and really good acting. I thought it worked really well. Until you learn why it happened. Yep. Should I spoil it? Uh, nah. Okay. And then there's a little bit after that that goes on some weird symbolism that I don't quite understand that they'd been hinting at, but it didn't seem to mean anything. It's something that I feel like you gotta like pick up on something. Yeah, and then it cut to credits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I still enjoyed the movie. 
Like, it doesn't take away the time that I did enjoy. It just cheapens the overall product for how bad the twist is. It is genuinely very funny, though. It is... Over the course of things, there's some really, really good bits. Uh, and the main character is pretty dumb about things. And it's great. He actually does a surprisingly good job acting, given that, what, he's mostly a voice actor? Uh, yeah, he is pretty much any... All of his credits, except for maybe, like, a handful are all voice acting and he's done a lot of voice act oh, actually no he's done he has done a number okay so he was a tokusatsu actor for oh okay that okay is that before or after this film uh both okay. uh well okay that it's... explains how he how he does with the exaggerated movements and all that okay he's uh, ironically enough he was in uh singing great ryujo or ryuju uh, as a character that's just labeled as bad noodles. <laughs> that was in 1992, so I wonder if that was a reference to this movie. It was probably a reference to this movie. Uh, but other things, like he was in a softcore porn? All happens to the best of us. Uh, uh, so TV drama, Red Spectacles. Like, at this point, this was his third acting role outside yeah. of... It doesn't even list what he was in... The Katsu Roman porno. Like, like he, he very much did a really good job of acting out the absurdism in the eventual drama as well, despite wearing sunglasses the entire fucking film. Yeah. It, it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, the main character was, was interesting enough to be able to carry it, and all of the bit parts were satisfyingly strange, let's say. Yes. It's also really weird that this would lead into Jinro. <laughs> yes. Really weird. Because to, to go on, uh, it is a continuing thing throughout the, uh, specifically the Kerberos Panzer Cop series of the missing power armor and where is it? Yeah. Which is eventually solved in one of the manga. I think it was. But yeah, it's, it's an enjoyable film at the very least. I, I liked it. I just, man that ending yeah anyway uh with that out of the way uh what ranking would you give this movie <sighs> you know what i would actually say a 69 all right 69 or uh 420 i would say okay either of those because i like i feel like the entire experience as a whole fits into one of those as opposed to say uh, one of the proper rankings all right so, uh, with that, let's not hit my mic, and let's <laughs> let's go ahead and get see what. Wait, what? Oh, I'm in the wrong channel. Uh, there we go. Let's see what X has to say. Hello. Hello. How are you? Uh, I am doing good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so. what is your familiar like? I I know about Genro. I have okay, seen so Genro, and I am familiar. Yeah, and I I kind of. Did a little bit of reading on this while I was uh, while I was watching, so I, I, I am familiar to some degree with the uh, Kerberos uh, saga in so much as I know it exists. All right, so <laughs> I guess with that, what are your thoughts on the Red Spectacles? Okay, so normally the format is give our thoughts, give a number. I'm going to tell you my number right out, and then I'm going to explain why I'm so dead set on this. Okay. This is an 18 to me. Um, okay. 
this was so thoroughly unenjoyable to me in a number of different ways. From the choice of the beige uh, filter to just the extremely disconnected, disjointed, erratic, hard-to-follow script and cinematography, like... Whatever cool elements I thought could be in this are just undercut by just how thoroughly unenjoyable I felt the experience was. I actually, on my first, I didn't watch, I didn't complete it on my first viewing. I just got so annoyed I turned it off. Um, and then uh, I came back to it uh, the next day and finished it off. It's just, I don't know, I, I'm going to assume I'm the only one in this group who doesn't enjoy this specific thing. Because uh, Jinro was Jinro's a tough watch. Uh, if we if we kind of just go up to that, it's it's a bit of a tough watch because it's a little dry, and also it's 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 very you know it's very depressing and very few things can succeed doing depressing in a way that makes you want to stick with it. Hollow Grave of the Fireflies, but this like this is obviously very early in the whole franchise. It feels like they're they're still trying to kind of like figure out what they want to do with it. It feels very avant-garde. It feels very art house, but I don't feel like it comes together at any point. I never felt like I truly understood what was happening. Even reading the 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 plot synopsis on like say like Wikipedia, Wikipedia, you know, the site for tongues. Even doing Wikipedia, I just felt like I wasn't grasping what was happening. That it can definitely. Uh, and that's this is kind of the opinion that I was actually curious about because, um, a majority of the like the other people that are in this, even not knowing anything about the film, are just if you realize, like, oh, okay, this is a Memorial Oshi film, this is like there, you can kind of get like you do just casual research, like, oh, this is a lot of like a lot of the actors in this movie are mostly anime voice actors. Uh, it's there is a lot of references to some of his other work. Uh, and just in general, Mamoru Oshii's general directorial style, uh, I feel like there's something you can get more out of this. But outside of maybe just watching Jinro out and not recognizing any of the other names, this is basically a movie that I feel is referential. And if you do not get the reference, it's actually, weirdly enough, kind of something similar to, say, uh, when we watched Ashens. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, was... yeah. But see, the thing that the difference between the two of them is, though, is I am I'm um I'm into gaming culture just enough to pick up on some of the more important stuff, whereas yeah. the stuff that really didn't land were the things that were very specific, like super niche to just Ashens. But there was at least enough things here and there throughout it that I could sort of connect myself to and and be like, all right, well, I'm not totally enjoying this. But I'm not, you know, absolutely, you know, aggressively not enjoying it. Whereas this, like, um, it, it definitely feels like it was catered to their fan base. And I, I'm assuming it's got a lot of hallmarks of their their more later stuff, too. But like, it, enough, not actually. Oh, OK. It is. There are some things that like Moroshi is very like if you've seen Jinro, even though I don't know how much he was actually involved in that. I know he was involved somehow. Like, I know he might have been story because uh, Kerberos is kind of his baby. Um, but it, it's if you've seen Jinro, it's actually very similar to the rest of his work. This is a kind of an outlier in his hmm. uh, 
in the tone specifically, although there's some like, production things that are very similar. I don't think you've seen this, but you should see it because I think you'd, you'd enjoy it despite it being a horror movie. But there's a movie called Pontypool. And the, mo- the, the whole movie itself is, you know, a very straightforward kind of thing. And then at the very, very, very end after the credits, there's this really bizarre tacked on pseudo ending that, that's sort of super meta and really weirdly written, weirdly acted. And it just doesn't feel like it's, it's a part of the film. It felt like this movie was that little bit stretched into an entire feature length. Like it, it felt, it felt really, it felt slapstick, but not in a way that I, I really thought was endearing. Um, it was way too goofy for what it was trying to go for. I, I feel like it, it's, it's presenting this, you know, um, this uh, dystopian police state society. Um, and then you've just got this like weird, it's, it's weirdly wacky in a way that just kind of, it, I hesitate to say uncomfortable, but it's it, not in like a, a problematic way. Just like, I didn't feel comfortable because everything seemed to just clash too much. And I just was like, unsure exactly if, how to take all of this. If this might not be a complete explanation why, but it's the feeling that I would probably suggest might be a good reason why that is. And it is a culture uh, differential because I've seen a lot of Japanese, like this very much feels like a Japanese style of comedy kind of thing Mm -hmm. where it is a really darkly absurd, but also incredibly goofy at the exact same time. Uh, It is just a difference. Like, and that's not like excuse, like trying to like no 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 it's it's a val- it's a valid it's a valid response and yeah if I could make a better a better uh, comparison uh, Suicide Club yes. this kind of has the same feel that Suicide Club is where they're trying to tell this one story but it's completely undercut by all this wacky shit that just feels entirely like it's not like it doesn't feel satirical it doesn't feel parody it doesn't feel like it's trying to really say something with the wackiness juxtaposed against the terrible stuff. Like you could say RoboCop, for example. RoboCop is wacky. It's goofy. It's silly. But it's grounded within that reality, and it makes sense, and it doesn't feel out of place. Even to some extent, maybe Total Recall. Total Recall is ridiculously goofy and wacky, but it still feels like it kind of fits within what they're trying to do. It fits within the frame. In here, I don't think it fit well at all. It felt like I was like they were trying to show me two different movies and they just put one over the other, you know, like a, an overlay of two different films. And I, I honestly was I was almost ready to say I'm not watching anymore and I'm just going to tap out of this. But I, I did power through it. And I don't know, I, I just I could not find anything I particularly liked. The fight scenes were just nonsense, just really, in my opinion. Uh, really sloppily edited. They went too fast. They made no sense. It was just, it was just a weird level of erraticism that you know I'm I'm somewhat familiar with because I do also like Japanese media and a lot of their stuff can be like I, I'll, I'm I'm quote I'm I'm bringing up a ton of the more horror slant of stuff. I wonder why, but even like going to something like Battle Royale, which has its own degrees of silliness throughout the, the absolute non like nightmare that's happening. But here, like I said, the erraticism and the the way that everything is presented feels like it just doesn't feel like they're the same movie being being presented to me at the same time, you know? Yeah, 
that that was my takeaway. I I would honestly put this at an eighteen. Okay, you're thinking eighteen. Yeah. Okay, I had you written down. So, with that, where's my mouse cursor? There we are. All right. So, uh, with that, let's get the group together and let's uh, hash this out. Okay. So now we are all together and we can have a little bit of a group discussion and kind of kind of reconcile, I guess, some discussion points about uh, this movie. Uh, so this is going to be a weird one to do this with, uh, but I'm kind of actually taking a look at the flow of this. And I think what I might do is kind of reflow it a little bit differently. Um, to kind of get like trying to get together some of the common things like this is a very weird movie, to say the least. Uh, it is a very avant-garde kind of production. Uh, theming kind of seems all over the place. Uh, the, uh, like, characters are, there's not a whole lot. There's just a lot of weird things happening overall. Um, I do want to actually uh, footnote this, or I don't know which note if this would actually be. Because uh, I actually looked at something and I had a thought to com do some comparison point. Mm -hmm. Because as we kind of all kind of brought out that this movie looks very weird. Uh, so I want to poke around and I was looking at the Japanese Wikipedia page for this movie, which actually gives what the budget of this movie was. Uh, and also uh, to give two key points here. Uh, and actually, let me double check this just to make sure that I am right, or I, at least I am <coughs> mostly right on this. Uh, if I look up Mamoru Oshii and his filmography, uh, oh wait, that's, why is it not listed as directorial works? You'd figure that that would be, okay, here we go. And I have yes. it if you want the full list. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, so one, uh, at this point, uh, Oshii had worked mostly on uh, he's worked on a, a number of anime series, uh, including uh, he was chief director of Urusei Yatsura. That's been brought up a couple of times. He worked on Dallas, which was an OVA series, Urusei Yatsura 2, Beautiful Dreamer, and Angel Egg. And he also did the radio drama that, that uh, this kind of came from. Uh, this was his first live action movie. And with that, uh, this had a budget of, in 1986, or is this 87 yes, of this had a budget of 25 million yen to put that in comparison. Uh, that is around nowadays, 35 million yen. Uh, this had a budget. If you judge uh, adjusting for inflation in USD of around $230,000, which is nothing. <laughs> that is nil. It's, that's less it's than what uh, evil dead was done on. It that is, it is, Four times, a little bit over four times as much as Clerks had. It explains <laughs> the constant use of tiny claustrophobic sets. This yeah, is yeah. an incredibly low budget movie. It also explains the editing to some degree. Yeah. Uh, so this is a now granted that doesn't like nullify any sort of like commentary. Oh, no, it's not but, an excuse. No. But I did want to put that as a forefront because I think one that's fascinating. Uh, too, just to kind of, it explains why this movie's the way it is, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, so The Red Spectacles is a land of contrast. Uh, Pretty much. It, it simultaneously, like, the characters are kind of 
non-existent. It's almost a weird set of sketches, and this is a I mean, very, is, very 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 vignette. It, yeah. It's essentially one giant egotistical fever dream. Yeah, it's all centered around the main character. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also you could also argue it's egocentric on based on the director. Uh, did you know that the fact that one of the uh, things offered in the ramen shop or the noodle shop uh, was an angel's egg? Yep. Uh, which is I'll the thing you just did. I, I'll nod my head and pretend I get the reference. Yeah. Uh, it's, and especially with the casting that a grand majority of the people are anime voice actors, uh, people you worked in with in Urusei Yatsura, uh, the fact that this thing came from a bit from Urusei Yatsura, Yep, the very first piece of Kabaro Saga uh, media was an episode of Urusai Yatsura. Which in itself was based on the band uh, Soba Shop, which actually, the most, one of the more recent Kabaro things was a spinoff that was entirely based on uh, underground Soba Shops. I would watch that. I would definitely watch that. That sounds I have in- heard- interesting. So... I think it's the the movie is it the I believe the translated English title is the life of fast food grifters. Mm. And I've heard good things about that movie like that. I have heard like very good things about Unfortunately, generally like in, in, in my bit, I, I, I said for me as someone who's not super familiar with with his work, this was a difficult entry to watch just because as as you pointed out, it's it's a lot of references. It's a lot of self-referential stuff, and it's similar in some ways to the Ashens movie uh, because it relies a lot on their previous work and the things that they're known for. Um, but aside from that, it was just it was very difficult for me personally to watch because it was just too all over the place and didn't really seem like it had much direction. Yeah, and yes. That is definitely something that I would definitely agree with in this. The fact that this is this is a very interesting movie, to say the least. Um, uh, common thread, uh, Shigeo or uh, Shigeru Chiba as the main character did. He acted his ass off. Yeah, they're fucking dead. Did, he did every scene as best he could. Act and his little heart out. It's yeah. Like, I kind of actually think there's not really a whole lot to discuss because this is such a... I don't a... know, like, remember that time that he just beat a dude up in the fucking bathroom and ripped his pants yeah. off him? Yeah, that, that was weird. Ripped his pants off, choked him out. There's no Spread friends or allies in there the was a surprising. Yeah, there was a surprising amount of ass out in this movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, but like I, that scene was amusing because it just ends on him leaving the dude in a, in a swirly position. Like, it... And that's, I guess that kind of ties into my overall point was I didn't feel like the tone matched at all. It felt like watching Suicide Club all over again. It's narratively, I I Mm -hmm. hate that I'm going to say this, but it actually did make sense to me. Uh, It's there you have an opposing view. It's the thing that is always a bit of a frustrating, well, not, I know a frustrating is the right word, but it's a thing of that you just kind of have to deal with in terms of when you're dealing with a criticism thing. This yeah. movie is highly subjective to taste. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, it's all subjective, really. Yeah, it's the thing of 
in general, just looking at the rank, I mean, I might as well just go ahead. Just going at the rankings, mm-hmm. Axe was the only one who gave a number ranking. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this was going to probably end up, I kind of had the feeling that this was going to end up in one of the three special ones. Mm-hmm. Fever Dream, I'm guessing. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, we might as well go into the ranking section now because I feel like that's kind of the, what the discussion is. That's at this where point. we're at. Yeah. I just want to say one thing quick. Oh, go it ahead. was very deliberately an emotional roller coaster because it is, as I said before, it is an egocentric fever dream about a man coming to terms with the fact that he betrayed those around him and eventually just losing his mind. Yeah. Yep. It is the absurdism very... feeds into the basically him losing his shit. Yes, until you find out why, and it's kind of annoying. Then it sucks. Mm-hmm. It's a shit twist. It is it's a pretty shit twist. But I like. I actually I like the way you framed that because I do, it, it does kind of give the 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 doofiness and the the erraticism of it a bit better context than it just being a bunch of shit this dude decided would would be pretty awesome. Like, if if each of these scenes sort of kind of represents his slow descent, uh, I I feel like that is a much better framing of what what they did versus what I thought it was. It was just, they did a bunch of stuff and then put it into a movie. No, it it, it gets to the high point with the absurdism as, as the dream starts to reach its peak, and then the guilt sets in, and he slowly starts to lose it more and more. Until yeah. eventually he his tears com- down the set. Mm-hmm. His competence also decreases over time. Like, obviously, he fights off the whole band of grease paint men at the start. But by the end, he's just running away. He's running away from everything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Anyone else yeah, as his self-image is torn mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Uh, any other notes that you wanted to make before we go into ranking? No, aside from the fact that this is the third Kerberos piece of media. Yep. Arisa Yatsura, then the radio drama, then this. The radio drama that sets this up, yeah. Yeah, and and then Jinro is the seventh. Yeah, it's farther down the list. I was actually surprised. I thought it was a a much shorter franchise than it actually is. Yeah, it's... Well, the problem is also, like, Jinro was, like, the only one we've gotten in English for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like this, yeah. like I think this might have gotten like a very niche release. I think one of the other movies also got bundled with it. Yeah, uh, but from what I gather, the other movies play it a little bit more straight. It, mm-hmm. It's also weird because they're so so to get into it. There is this this thread of the missing power gear because power gear is what they call the powered exoskeleton. This missing yep. powered gear that is a piece of this film and continues through other works until it is answered way later in one of the manga. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It is also weird to think about that this movie is also one of the later timeline wise because this happens in 1995. Uh, although I think that might get retconned. Uh, and then, like, because Jinro takes place in the 60s, I think, or it might even be the 50s. 50s or 60s, yeah. Uh, which fifties? I just want to go. Like, I will go ahead and say, uh, I think Jinro is a infinitely better movie. Uh, that's a, that's yeah. a low bar to clear, but yeah, yeah, Jinro is a fantastic movie that plays it completely straight, but also you can do it very well playing mm-hmm. it straight. It, it, Jinro also delivers on this incredible amount of emotional intensity to it. Yes, yep. yeah. 
that doesn't have a shit twist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it it has a very a very powerful twist, actually. That actually has good payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, oh, yeah. we are not discussing general. We are discussing the red spectacles. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we are gonna rank this using our one to twenty-one scale. Actually, we're probably gonna use one of the three special ones, but the one to twenty-one scale where one is absolute mastercraft can't really get much better than that. Uh, to 21, which is kind of it, it actually very bad and not even fun, ironically, to watch. So mm. we had uh, in total, uh, I said this was either going to be a 420 or a 12. Prison, uh, you thought this was going to be a 69. Yeah, and I thought uh, more Tor- about it. It could also be a 420. Yeah. Uh, Torpo, you said 69 or 420. Axe, you said 18. And I'll also throw in 420 now. I'm thinking about it because it does. Kind I. Of fit in there. I was about to say, I kind of feel like with the discussion, this is a 420. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I terrible, believe while we were watching weird. this, we thought we brought up Wizards while watching this. Yeah, it. this is I saw Wizards right there and I'm like, that's a good that's I think about as apt to the comparison as we're going to get on this. About as mm-hmm. steeped in symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if Wizards was steeped in symbolism. I think it's Ralph Bakshi being a weirdo. I mean, yes, it's Ralph actually being a weirdo, but symbolism is symbolism regardless. The symbolism it beats you over the head with. It's the symbolism symbolism. of this fairy's thick thighs. But to 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 his credit, at least Wizards has the greatest ending fight of any movie ever. Yes, that Mm -hmm. that ends fight quote unquote. (laughs) Just the the best, just absolutely. And this is just like. We just did all that. We just did all that. It's like, okay. Wizards, it's like, weirdly enough, Wizards is a lot of weird shit that builds up to that one moment, and then that one payoff is like, almost makes it worth it. Whereas this yeah. has an interesting build-off that you think is going to pay off somewhere, and it doesn't. Yeah, they're very they're very much sort of the inverse of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas one is also very colorful, and the other one definitely is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, up until, I, oh my god, the spectacles are red. Yep. Yeah. The, the, the filters that were used. Red. I did not like the the filters at the, all. They, the they definitely got in the way. Lady, I I still don't understand the red lady. I I think there's a running theme of like, um, little red riding hood and the big bad wolf throughout Kerberos things, if I remember correctly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that is very blatantly a thing in Jinro. Yeah. So. Even back in the first Kerberos movie, Momoshi or Oshi was like, I need to work in this Red Riding Hood motif. And it didn't work. No. Yeah. Uh, is there anything content-wise that I need to signify? Because I can't remember. Ass out. There's Tons ass out what? everywhere. There is a lot of pale ass. You do get a, a, little bit, a little bit of drunk in the bathroom scene. Just a teeny tiny bit. You know, I'm not even going to call that sexual. I'm just going to call it ass. That is a special yes. kind of put in thing. A peach. It's not for it me. That's the thing. It is a peach. Yeah. yeah. Peach. All right. So, uh, with that, is there anything we want to call out in music, cinematography, or music, charm, cinematography, storytelling, action, or art? One thing now that I remembered that I forgot to mention, uh, because this is Moroshi, mm-hmm. speaking of uh, things that he does a whole lot, uh, this did have a soundtrack by Kenji Kawai. Who it's a good did- soundtrack. Yeah, very good soundtrack. Especially the uh, the main theme is really fucking good. Yes. Uh, so there's that. Uh, is there anything else that we wanted to bring up? 
I I'd say charm. Yeah, the goofiness is fun. I don't agree, but I don't feel strongly enough to really. I so that's the thing is where I would say that's a that is a your violence may vary. Yeah, so I can absolutely see this being infuriating for some people. Yeah, my heart wants to say a thumbs down for the art. I just did not like any of the editing or visual choices that were made for this film. I like the cinematography. I would all then, I, especially I get... when he was so. A lot of it, I will say, is mixed. I will agree, but like, especially the shot as he's ripping down the set, I thought was really good. Yeah, that that I think was a good shot. There are, however, some other shots that are a little bit weird. So I would just, I am just gonna take the coward's way out and just say your mileage may vary. Yeah, I was about mm-hmm. to say. I think that's the moral of this movie. Your mileage may vary. I it is that, intensely uh, subjective. That is why I think this goes in four twenty. I think mm-hmm. this is actually one of our more subjective, uh, super like ultra subjective ones, where it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, like, we got to agree to disagree. I'm trying to figure out how I felt about the action. I thought it was kind of bad. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was enjoy- very floppy and I. It I was thought- deliberately sloppy though, I, and that's I, why I, it's like mm, I enjoy I it for slapstick elements. It's yeah, it's again. I think your mileage may vary. Yeah. You know what's great? I'll just give it for the storytelling because it is that one. I will say, I think the storytelling. No, no, no. no. Thumbs down for storytelling. No, 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 no. Most of it is interesting. But as I said in my bit, the big twist at the end completely cheapens the entire film. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, is there any yay or nay that we want to bring up? What is even going on? Yeah. Yay and peach. Yeah, I um I will also say uh okay what okay there's something in here let's see um what the hell's going on would what the hell is going on be a, both a yay or a nay or just a yin a both both yeah sure both the fever dream aspect is both a boon and a penalty because once again your mileage may vary um. I don't think the pace necessarily was sluggish. It just no, no clue what was going no. on. No, yeah, I don't yeah. think it didn't seem to drag or anything, you know. It was more of a direction issue, yeah. Yeah. If anything, like, if anything of that, uh, this movie is two hours long. Mm. It, Way too damn but, long. Way too long. Um, it didn't feel that bad. Your mileage, baby! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, so the issue is things are constantly happening, but also it's two hours, and it's like you don't know where you're getting, where it's coming, gonna go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I don't know where you could have cut, but you probably could have cut anyway. It mm-hmm. it feels like the whole thing is it's a little bit of a problem. With the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think with that, I think that is, I think that is good for the red spectacles. It is a movie that I've always wanted to watch, and I've watched it, and it was That's weird. Certainly, you've movied the movie. I, it I was an experience that I've never felt anything quite like it before. Yeah, like the closest thing, really, in terms of things I've seen is Perella Foo. So, so I will also say because now that we are done with the mystery movies, I will actually I will say what the other movies that we were going to do here. So, fun mm-hmm. thing, this movie actually was also one of the choices for the second pick. Uh, it was actually the mm-hmm. Japan option, but I just put it in there because I kind of wanted to see this. Uh, in this other category, so there was four emojis. There was, uh, a, I can't remember if I just did a sunglasses 
I think it was this the sunglasses. Was, sunglasses for the red spectacles. Yeah. Uh, so it was an egg. Uh, that was Angel's egg. Yep. Uh, which is... Would, we would be having a very different discussion, but also a very similar discussion. Yes. What are your uh, feelings on a lack of dialogue? Uh, yeah, lack of dialogue. That, that is a movie. Well, I don't mind it. It is a 70 minute movie that the, the first subtitle that appears is at 35 minutes. Uh, also, and that would have been a thing. Uh, I forgot. I think it was a rocket or a planet that I used. Uh, we could have been watching Fantastic Planet. Uh, a similarly bizarre movie uh, by French animator that is known for making weird ass movies um, that I think is like one of the more notorious French animated movies that are of that type. I think Gal is it Gandalhar like Galahar, I think yeah. is one of them. But um, yeah, there is that was that. And then the crystal ball was Final Fantasy Legend of the Crystals, which would have been a OVA that was technically incredibly technically based on Final Fantasy V. Uh, that is uh, kind of bad, uh, but also yeah. kind of fascinating. You know what? I'm actually very happy with what we got, all things considered. Yeah. So that that was certainly a thing. Uh, so there, that was our experiment level thing done. So uh, wrapping this thing up. So before we head out, X, is there anything you want to plug? Yes, the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. Any local SPCA or animal shelter, please adopt. Don't shop. Uh, Resident, is there anything you want to plug? Um, whatever Torpo's going to plug. All right, Torpo. Twitch.tv slash Torpotypist, not Torpotypist on Twitter. And I would like to unplug this drain full of gross-ass hair. Yes. Mm -hmm. Seriously, clean your shower drains, people. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I would actually now at this point tell you what we're going to be doing next. But weirdly enough, even though we finished the mystery stuff, I actually don't know what we're doing next because of the timing of this. Uh, so uh, next up is going to be whatever the winner of the quarter four retro rank relief is. Uh, and that technically has not been decided because the poll is actually too close for me to tell. Uh, edit it in at a later date. Uh, that's mm. not getting edited because that's not going to be determined until well actually after this episode goes <laughs> live. Uh, so I believe right now, cur the current winner right now is I Claudius, uh, which that would be interesting. That's going to be multi parter if that wins. Mm -hmm. uh, in second place, we got Project Aiko. Uh, and in third place, we have Fire and Ice. I still Ooh, think ass. Project Aiko would be the funniest ending because it's been denied oh. for so long. I mean, so is Fire and Ice. <laughs> But also, I Claudius would be interesting to talk about. Yeah, I don't uh, see the poll. Uh, it's, in, it's it's in the uh, relief thing. Uh, it's in Title uh, Five. Echo's been like one of the oldest that is consistently denied. Well, we will see because we have two uh, charity streams coming up in in the time that we need to record this again. Mm -hmm. So we will find out then. Uh, so with uh, that. Uh, thank you all for listening. And I hope you have a good time whatever it was when you're listening to this. Bye. And I love Final Fantasy VIII. But, but, if you would like to see the list in which we have ranked every single thing we've done for Media Delta, you can go to r3.ldp.life in your browser. If you would like to watch the sister show that determines what could show up on Media Delta, that's Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can watch it live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash or on YouTube at youtube.ldp.life. If you would like to discuss this episode with others, please join our Discord server by going to discord.ldp.life in your browser, which should give you a link. 
Thank you again for listening.